Um, just want to invite you just to give Carl a, a warm uh, welcome as he comes up to preach this morning. Um, it's, it's been great uh, as a church getting to know Carl and Chrissy more over the last year or so. Um, it's, it's been fantastic to see them join up with us as a, as a church family um, and just to really hear the heart from him. He's a man of integrity and as part on behalf of the elders, we just really want to you know, make sure we... Um, I wanted to say the word commend him, but it was nearly going to come out as con- <laughs> commend him to you, Thank you brother. this morning. So he's a, a brother in Christ, and it's, I popped around to his house and spoke to him and Chrissy on Tuesday this week. And actually, just to hear some of their stories as they lived a life of adventure and faith for the last 10 years down the harbour. And obviously, we're really excited uh, at the start of the new year to be launching a new church meeting in the harbour. So as he preaches this morning, I know it's going to encourage us, but also it's going to challenge us as well. And I'm sure he'll be able to spare land some of those um, verses that we've already had contributed. So, yeah, looking forward to hearing it, Carl. Bless you. Thank you very much. Well, good morning. Thank you for that welcome. And it's been great. Uh, as has already been said, we've had a lot of words already this morning. And maybe as you get to know me, I'm the sort of person that can say in a thousand words what most people would say in ten. So hopefully, we can pray by the Spirit that that will change today and I'll be more concise than I usually tend to be. We're carrying on in the series that you've been looking at by faith. We've been looking at the story and life of Abraham. And as many people have already said before me, this is more about actually God's faithfulness to Abraham than it is about Abraham's faith. And the elders have really kind of stitched me up because if you know Genesis and you know Genesis 22... They've given me the lovely story of a father being asked to sacrifice his son. So they thought they'd get an expert in. But what they don't know when I said I'm an expert is X means an unknown quantity and a spurt means a drip under pressure. So that's how I come to you this morning. A man, hopefully, who is able to allow the Holy Spirit to just speak through this passage And if you arrive at this passage with no other scripture, it could appear very terrifying. But when you get to understand who God is, what he has done, then you realise this passage, passage is terrific. Because it is going to display to us something more, another facet of God's faithfulness to Abraham and to all of his people through this passage. I just wonder if someone could get me a glass of water that someone hasn't gargled in. And uh, if at some point if I need to gargle my sermon, then that'll keep in the theme of this morning. I wonder if someone is brave enough just to say to me out loud the first four words of the Bible. In the beginning God. And that is so important. That is so important that when we think about who God is in the context of this passage and every passage, God was the God in the beginning. The first, the creator, the one who created everything that we see, everything that we know. Creating humanity, a people in his image, in his likeness, in the likeness of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. In the beginning, God. And God created a place and he did all his wonderful works and then he saw that it was very good 
and he rested. And on Adam's first day, he says, receive and rest in my works that I have done. Thank you very much. All two glasses, one for drinking, one for gargling. Receive and rest in the works that I have done. Who's a cyclist here? Anyone likes to cycle? Everyone likes to cycle. Everyone's hopefully had an experience of riding a bike. And what we see is God in the beginning, God is the initiator. So he's like that leading leg as you start your cycle ride, the kickstarter. God initiates and the weaker leg responds. And God initiates and we respond. And as we've been journeying through the story of Abraham, we have seen God initiate his story in the life of Abraham because the history points that his story is the greater story and is writing it through humanity and is writing it towards a promise and he continues to write it in our lives today. God initiates and we respond. Let's turn to the passage that we have of Genesis 22. And let's read this. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey and I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. And when they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. What a cliffhanger. We'll leave it there for the moment. What is going on? What is God doing? Is God like every other God? We know that from where Martin spoke, the, the sort of ancestry, the history of Abraham, or Abraham then, that he is from a pagan worshipping family. There is the God of Molech, which it was a common practice to do child sacrifice in a sense of worship, to evoke something from the God to the response. We know that from pagan worship, and maybe even the moon's uh, God and sin, that there was child worship there. So something from Abraham's familiarity, maybe that this is a practice that is familiar with God's. But our God is unlike any other God. 
Yahweh is distinctly different from every other God. Our God is the God who was there in the beginning. Our God is the initiator of what is right and righteous. Our God is a good God. So how can he be taking Abraham on this journey? If God is a good God and God is the initiator and what he longs from us is a response, let's just think about false gods for a moment. Every other God requires us to initiate some form of energy and devotion and worship and desire with the expectation that God would then respond to us. And the thinking is that the greater of sacrifice and the greater of devotion and time and energy that I spend, the greater the reward I will receive. That is a false God. And that is not a good God. Our God is a good God. And there is no one like our God. Our God is the initiator, just like in creation it said, rest and receive. So God continues to promise to us something else that he says, you can rest in my works on your behalf. All I long for you to do is to respond and receive it. So God, through this passage, as complex and difficult as it is, is disclosing himself as a God that is above all other gods and a God that is a good God and a God that is distinct as holy and pure. God initiated a story in Abraham at the age of 75. This pagan man, God speaks to him, chapter 12, go to the land that I've shown you. Take some things with you and go to this land. And Abraham responds in obedience and faith and goes to the place and builds an altar. But we know also that when Abraham initiates, things don't go so well. He sees famine. He tries to solve the problem himself. He initiates a journey that God did not send him to go down to Egypt. And we know that he then starts saying that Sarah is his sister and all kinds of problems come out. To Abraham's initiation, God responds in grace and restores him back to the place where he first built the altar. And he's actually blessed with riches as he does that too. God initiates promises to Abraham. You will be a great nation. From you, a child of promise will come that will be a blessing to all the nations. At the age of 75, Abraham goes out and he is told that he will be a father to a son. But we also know that from the culture of the day, that at the age of 75 would not be the first time that Abraham would have desired a child. We know that it's so important in the context of the history here that actually the first son is so important for lineage, for identity, for prosperity. So maybe before even God spoke to Abraham, he'd longed for a child for 50, 55 years and was never able to have one. And then God speaks into his life and God says that you will have a child and he says it again to him at the age of 85. And he says it again to him at the age of 99, this time next year, you will have a child. And at the age of 100, he has his firstborn son. And I've missed out a whole lot of other bits that went on there, but that's what the previous weeks have also covered. 
God is initiating his promise in the life of Abraham. That's true for Abraham, but true for us also. And we'll come on to that. So this child to Abraham, Isaac, comes with a miraculous work that has gone on for this to ever happen. That for 25 years since God first spoke, God has promised and promised and promised. And at the age of 100, he receives. 25 years of waiting for that promise to be fulfilled. 25 years waiting for that promise to be fulfilled. Trusting that God would be good to his word. Holding on to the promises of God. We also know that God has made covenant with Abraham on this journey. And we saw that in chapter 15 where God alone, Yahweh alone, walks between the animal sacrifices of split in two. Abraham is in a deep sleep and God shows him that this covenant I've made with you will be fulfilled by me and not by you. I will fulfill it on your behalf. All you'll have to do is to receive in trust and faithful obedience. So that's a bit of the backstory that's going on up until the point of now. And by now, Isaac may well be 15 to 20 years old. If you've got some of those children's storybook Bibles, you'll see he's probably a tiny little toddler or a child. But how a child could have got that much wood on his back and walked three days up a mountain? Unlikely. So Abraham has already lived and delighted with Isaac for maybe 15 to 20 years, maybe even more. He's enjoyed the promise and see this promise grow up. He's nurtured this promise and he's held on to the promises of God that this child is no ordinary child. He's quite unique. And he and from him will come kings and from him will come nations that will be blessed. From him, my son Isaac, great things are going to come because God has said So what does Abraham do when God at this point says, take your son Isaac, take him to the mountain and offer him as a burnt sacrifice? It says that he gets up early in the morning. Now maybe he was troubled in sleeping because he knew what had to go on this day. Just like he got up early in the morning when he had to go and see Hagar and send her away. Maybe he's not a very good sleeper. Maybe he's a troubled person and restless in his mind. What we don't have in these sections of scripture is any psychoanalysis really of Abraham. That's because it's not important. What has been inspired by the Holy Spirit for us are the most important parts that God wants us to see. And what God wants to see us in this chapter 22 is how great God is how he is unlike any other God and how he is faithful to himself in keeping his promises. So in the morning, Abraham, he gets the donkey, he gets the servants, he gets his son, then he goes and cuts wood, strange order, but he is a man, and he gets all this together and they set off and they set out. And they travel, and they travel for three days. And then Abraham lifts his eyes and he sees the place where he is to go and build this altar. And as he's on that journey after three days, he says, right, 
donkey and the servants, you're to stop here. I and the boy are going to go and worship. And by worship, we mean where we are sharing and declaring in our heart that who or what has greatest worth in my life. He's got his most precious son, Isaac, the fulfillment of years and years of heartache and fulfillment to suddenly be there. Lived with him for many years now. And the child of promise and the child who holds on the covenant of God, he says, we are going up to the mountain to worship. I will offer him as a burnt offering and we will return. Did God really think that Abraham would do this? Did Abraham really think that he would do this? God knows and Abraham needs to know. The passage is framed in that God tested Abraham, this is a test. And it's also a poetic enactment of a bigger story of Abraham and God and Isaac and his son. And then we'll come on to a moment, the last bit. They set out on their journey and then suddenly the party splits. The donkey and the two servants stay behind and Abraham takes the boy and as they're traveling up to the place of worship what probably is the biggest sign that this boy was a teenager is that he hasn't spoken to his dad for three days (laughs) I mean they're walking side by side and after three days suddenly the boy says hey I see you've got fire and knife but where's the lamb where is the lamb someone's obviously got a teenager that's laughing down there (laughs) Abraham says God will provide for himself a sacrifice. God will provide for himself a sacrifice. Were these the words that were truly spoken in faith? Were these words that were just spoken with a real hope of who he understood who God to be, who God had disclosed himself to Abraham as, What was fueling this word? What was fueling his desire even ever to go out to this mountain to do this? Well, the signs that we get, we have to take from scripture. That in the stories that we've heard over the weeks already, that Abraham has believed and it's been accounted to him as righteous. That Abraham, when he's trusting in God's initiative, responds in faith and obedience. It was Abraham who said, would not the judge do what is right when we was looking at Sodom and Gomorrah? He believes that God is judge and just in all his ways. God has promised to Abraham and Abraham have experienced the fulfillment and the answers of that promise. He is trusting God for at this stage in his life who he has seen God to disclose himself to be. The good God, the God of creation, the God who spared the shame of Adam and Eve with animal sacrifice. The God who spoke in power to Adam and Eve and saying that one will come from you who will crush the head of the serpent. This is the story of our God initiating a salvation plan. And through these passages, we are seeing more and more of what that salvation plan looks like and how it's gonna be fulfilled. We stand on this side of the cross. We stand on this side being able to look back. Abraham was looking ahead to what he hoped would be fulfilled. 
Abraham speaks to his boy and says, God will prepare for himself a sacrifice. I know God. I believe this God is a good God. I believe that the God who has covenanted with himself, that he will not take away the child of promise. God does not contradict himself. This would be a huge contradiction if God had promised that from this boy, the promises and blessings to the nations would be fulfilled and then for God to demand for him a sacrifice in this way. So Abraham takes the child, takes the wood, lays it on the altar, lays the boy on the altar and has the knife raised. Let's read what happens. What? Back one, thank you. <laughs> when they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. Yep. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Yes, read on, sorry. And Abraham lifted his eyes and looked and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. There is Abraham declaring and disclosing to God that above everything else, I fear you, I revere you, I worship you, I adore you. And with a knife raised at that moment, God intervenes for an angel and cries out, Abraham, Abraham, do not harm the boy. Prior to this verse, uh, this chapter in chapter 21, there's that lovely moment where Hagar is crying and hid her son under a bush. There's no water, dehydration and death is the next thing. And God in his grace hears the voice of the boy says to Hagar, open your eyes, and there she sees the provision of God in a well to resuscitate and restore that child. How much more would God intervene for this child, the child of promise, the child of his promise? And at this moment of an act before God in worship, he says, open your eyes, and there he sees the provision of God provided for him in a ram caught in a thicket. What a beautiful picture as Abraham goes to get the ram that's caught by its horns from the thicket that as he pulls the ram towards him, the thorns in the thicket are stuck in the wool of the ram. Here is the lamb of God wearing a crown of thorns provided for you and for me. Just as God provided a substitute for himself and Abraham was able to take his son off the altar and place on there the sacrificial lamb. 
God's provided the lamb of sacrifice. And in the culture of the day, it had to be a spotless, blameless lamb of God. The lamb had to be taken to the priest and the priest would look over this young lamb and make sure there was no imperfections on it. And the priest would declare, the lamb is good enough for sacrifice. God provides the lamb that is good enough for sacrifice. The lamb was good enough. The lamb is good enough. The lamb is always good enough. Jesus is enough. And God provided for himself the sacrifice. What God didn't require of Abraham, he required of himself Because the Father God did not spare his only son, the unique son of God, the better Isaac that will be a better blessing to all the nations, the true son that came from the lineage of Eve and Abraham, David, the promised child more fulfilled in Jesus Christ, the greatest sacrifice spared, not spared, on the cross for you and for me suffering in our place. Those words probably didn't come to more fruition and understanding until John the Baptist stood there and said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. This passage here is God disclosing himself in history, his story, a better story. It's our story. It's for you and for me that God would provide for himself a sacrifice that you and I cannot give. Abraham in sacrificing Isaac would not give God anything. All it did was to show God and to show Abraham that he feared God above everything else. God had already initiated his promises and in this act of what Abraham was showing he was willing to do, God continued to say, these promises are not based on you but are based on me. And Abraham was tested not to show God something that he needed to know, but to show Abraham something he needed to know. Abraham needed to know that above everything else, God is first. That Abraham in himself would not hinder anything of God's promises, even if he could. And God was able to say to Abraham, the last words that God we have recorded ever speaks to Abraham is because you obeyed my voice. Abraham could die content knowing that the words that God put upon him was because you obeyed my voice. They're the last words. He was faithful until the end. What was a test of Abraham, God discloses as a testament to us. A promise of his goodness, a promise of his faithfulness, a promise of his fulfillment. God is unlike any other gods. God has done the work on our behalf. And this morning, what he's saying to you, stop working to try and get from me a better response. I've given you the best up front. I have done the work on your behalf. Whilst you were dead in your transgressions and sins, Christ died for us while we were unworthy, while we were his enemies. 
Jesus Christ died in our place, taking upon him the full force of God's wrath and the penalty of sin upon himself and declares to us, believe in my works and you're counted as righteous in my sight. This beautiful story is a picture towards the greatest story ever told of a father laying down his son for the blessings of many. So a lot of information. And there's been a lot of information over the last few weeks. But what we're not here to do is to try and give people information. What we believe God wants to do through his word and his spirit is to bring transformation into the lives of you and me. This story has been transformic for me over many years now. We resonated with the God speaking to me in a dream, maybe like the way God spoke to Abraham, go to the land that I will show you and live by faith. We've been trying to live by faith. But only a few weeks ago when we got to the Abraham story was going down to Egypt. In that week, God has spoken to me that I had had an Egypt detour. Nothing to do with my wife being my sister, anything like that. But when times of hardship financially came to us, there was an opportunity that arose to me which was to buy a photography business because I'm a photographer and a teacher and it was to teach photography. So we bought that business. And whilst the time with the students was fantastic, the business, the management, the social media, the finances, the admin has been also so consuming and taking my eyes off the calling of what God had put us in the harbour to do. It was a detour. It didn't derail, but it was a detour. So on that Sunday when we was here, they said, do you want to come forward for prayer? And I just came forward for prayer and I said to Andrew Berry, this is what's been going on. This has been my Egypt. Seeking to be faithful to the Lord, there's sometimes there are detours. There's sometimes where we try and initiate something for ourselves and then go, God, would you respond and bless it? God says, I've initiated my story in you. Would you just respond to me and you will be blessed? And even at the beginning of this year, we were facing being in the harbour for 10 years, looking to a rent increase and this and everything else and the whole story. It was a time for us to say, God, are you calling us away from the harbour? Has that season ended? And through prayer, we had to put the positive, the negative and everything of being in the harbour, on the harbour, serving the harbour, on the altar. We did that just before Easter. And we had to say, Lord, we let go of this. You initiated this in us and we're wrestling with what we're meant to be doing. And we want you to have it back. And if you want to give it back to us, then do. And if you don't, we're totally surrendered to that. Because we will surrender everything for the sake of Christ. We did that and in days we met Ollie over Easter. And the journey now is that here together we move into planting and starting a new fellowship in the harbour. Stop trying to initiate with God but surrender. And where this lands for me is in view of everything that God has done. Abraham says, I will worship and I will offer And Paul says this in Romans 12. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. 
This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Paul says in view of the 11 chapters that's preceded these verses of God's amazing grace and the gospel being unpacked, in view of God's mercy, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. Is that where you are this morning? Is that where you are this morning? Willing to be totally abandoned to God and say, I offer myself as a living sacrifice. I offer myself as a living sacrifice. God is the greatest God. There is no one like our God. And God's story is the greatest story. And God is the author and perfecter of our faith. And he's writing his story in our lives as we seek to follow him and live following him and keeping in step with him and being obedient to him. God was gracious to Abraham in this day. And God painted a picture for Abraham of a story that he could die knowing that would not be dependent on Abraham, would be dependent on God's faithfulness. I believe this morning that there may be others like me who have been working hard at something, have hopes and dreams in something, and it's consuming your time, your energy and your effort your treasures and your desires because you're wanting to make this thing what you want it to be. It's something that was a good thing, but it's become a God thing. That makes it a bad thing. Because in being near God or rivaling God, we're de-godding God of who he is. God is bigger, God is greater. Is there something that's going on in you right now that the word of God and the spirit of God has just nudged you and if he has, then listen to him. And don't just think, oh no, it can't be that. Usually we do that. The first thing that pops into our head is, oh no, I don't want it to be that. So it can't be that. Just sit with it for a moment. I just ask the band to come up. And is there something that you felt that God has said And you're hanging on to God for his faithfulness to be revealed in your time because it's something you've been praying for because you believe God initiated it in you. And the months have passed and the years have passed and maybe decades have passed and you're still waiting and you're still waiting. God wants to hear from you today and God wants you to say, Lord, this is what it is. But Not my will, but yours be done. What Abraham probably had to go through in this process was he had to go and look beyond the gift to the giver of gift. He had to have his eyes lifted up to see something greater than Isaac and to see again, my God is good, my God is great and my God will provide for himself a sacrifice. God will take the best that I can imagine and replace it with something even greater, a greater fulfilment. Let's just be prayerful for a moment and let's let these words descend. And just where your seat sitting, God is with you. And just where you're sitting, God wants to speak to you. God is good. 
He is good. He is gentle and kind. And He wants to speak something to you this morning that gives you hope or starts to change and transform the direction you're going on. He wants to relieve you of the burden of your works trying to generate something. He says, just rest and trust in my works on your behalf. I've done the works. You just need to receive. The transition, the key in the lock as it were, is to unlock that. It's getting to that place of worship and response. I am willing, Lord. I am willing to want the want that you want to give me or I am willing right now to be able to surrender before you. Whatever it is, that thing that you think I'm holding on tightly, I'm longing for this. Maybe just clench your fist right now as you pray, Lord, saying, this is me, I recognise this is me. This is my altar this morning, it's a clenched fist. But as I build this and hold it tightly, at some point I've got to lay it on the altar. And therefore, as I'm praying, Lord, Holy Spirit, would you help me to unclench my fist? As I lift it to you and lay it on the altar and I breathe, would you breathe, Holy Spirit, in us what you want to do in us, what you want to give, it, give to us? Abraham offered Isaac. Isaac was giving back to him. And maybe God will give back to you what it is you're laying on the altar. And maybe God will give, it, give you something better. Let us pray. Father God, would you move amongst us now by your Holy Spirit? Would you help us remember the promises that preceded this preach? That you have been good in January, you're good in February, and every month that's followed. You're with us right now. You're the God who says, do not fear me, put your faith in me. Do not fear other things, do not fear the outcomes. Do not fear what might happen, but trust in me because I am good and I am great and I am gracious and I will be glorified. God was glorified through this passage. And it may be that you just want to tap the person on the side and would you just say, because sometimes what we need to do is to know that somebody else knows what I've said to the Father today so that in a week's time or a few days time as we continue to wrestle and release what's happening in this moment that that person might just be able to come up to you and say how are you getting on did you grab it back off the altar or did you leave it there did you pick up what God gave you in replacements are you free are you free from the burden of trying of trying to work it up and are you just resting and receiving what God's given you Maybe someone wants something more than that. Maybe someone wants to stand up. Maybe someone wants to walk to the front and just be prayed with, prayed for in that step of a sense of, I am making my altar in this corner over here and there's gonna be someone who meets with me there and prays with me there. You're welcome to do that. It's finding that thing that will cement in you today that transformation has been started by your willingness to say, Lord, I'm letting go. 
and I want to receive. I'm going to trust that you are the initiator to the story and I'm just going to respond. Forgive me that I've initiated and hope that you'd bless it. Is there an idol? Is there an idol that you just talk about all the time? Tell others about? It's become a part of your identity, a part of who you hope you are, as opposed to really understanding whose you are. That you're a child of God, bought by his love and grace. He declares your identity. He says, you are my child whom I love. I sing over you and call out that you are my beloved. That is your greatest identity, not in what you do, but what God has done for you out of his love and character and nature. God loves you. God loves you. May those words spoken over you just free you this morning. God loves you. God loves you. And there's nothing you can do to evoke more of the outpouring of his love for you. He loves you unconditionally. He loves you because you are his. And if you don't know him this morning, if you haven't received the promise of God that he would not spare his own child because Jesus from the cross looked down willingly and says, I count you worthy, I die in your place so that you can have a right relationship with your father, the creator then receive that this morning. You don't have to do anything apart from saying, I'm putting my trust in what I'm hearing. I'm putting trust in what God is saying. I'm putting trust in the fact that He counts me worthy when I was at my worst, and that may be how you feel right now. And He says, I want to free you, and I want you to know me, and I want you to know that I love you, and that you're my child, and that we can change your story. We can change your direction. We can change your life because God is a good God and he can make all things new. He can make all things new. Let's stand. Keep praying if you're praying. These guys are going to lead us. Holy Spirit, would you meet with us now as we sing and breathe out or as we're just praying out? Holy Spirit, would you breathe into us something of your newness, of your goodness, of your transforming work, your heart for us this morning. We declare that you are good. We thank you, Lord, that you provided for yourself a sacrifice. And we thank you, Lord, that that sacrifice was for us and for all people who are far off. Lord, we thank you that we can receive you afresh this morning of something more of what you wanna pour into our lives. Lord, thank you that we are on a journey of discipleship. Lord, that we are, we are saved, but we're being saved and one day we'll be saved in all its fullness. Lord, help us in that sanctification this morning of changing us and changing us into the likeness of Jesus. We thank you for your blessing and we give you praise. Amen.